Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 11 of Three Point Podcast. Our sponsors tonight include Rivals Tap House and Grill, the area's premier sports pub, and the spot to be for March Madness, and also our sponsors of our Bracket Challenge. And also on board is the Corona Connection and our podcasting headquarters, Z92.5 The Castle. I'm Ted Fattel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5. On the phone is Matt Burns of ESPN. And Jared Fattel of WJSZ Radio is right here in the studio with me again tonight. We'll also be joined this evening by Jack Strapp and his take on sports. And we also have a special guest, former Owasso High standout three-sport athlete, Eric Cameron. Eric was a football, basketball, and baseball star, was honorable mention in football. Uh, in basketball, he's third on the all-time scoring list behind Kurt Skinner back in the 70s. Jalen Weekly, uh, a few years back, has 1,073 points. And Eric, right behind him with over 1,000 points, 1,065. First of all, Eric, uh, welcome to the podcast tonight. Thanks for having me. Well, we're going to keep you on here in the early portion and talk a variety of different different sports. But before we get into uh, all the hot topics nowadays, uh, bring us up to speed for all our Trojan listeners out there on uh, where you made your way to after uh, st- starring on the fields and courts at Owasso. Well, I started out at uh, Saginaw Valley, uh, a partial football scholarship to play up there. And at some point over the summer after graduating, I had you know, discovered something wrong with my back and like the first day of practice, uh, the first day of like conditioning and, and the physical stuff, you know, determined that I had, uh, some, something wrong with my back. I had checked out for a while and had a herniated disc that was pinching a nerve running down my leg. So I, at that point I just decided to kind of hang them up and just came back home and went to LCC for a few years before joining the man out at Grand Valley. So. All right, and then you made your way over eventually after a couple of stops uh, professionally, now over at Ionia High School as an educator over in the Ionia system and also a, a coach in track and field, right? Yes, I uh, kind of bounced around between a couple uh, jobs in Grand Rapids Public Schools for about a year and a half, and then opening came up in Ionia, and it's not too far a drive from where we live in Grand Rapids, and uh, an opportunity to get back into coaching, uh, which was difficult to do when I was uh, living in Grand Rapids, but uh, you know, similar community to Owasso, kind of one thing that drew me to it. Uh, know a few people that were even around back when I was playing um, that are still there. So, uh, you know, just the familiarity of that really uh, drew me to that. And you know, I'm in my fifth year there and really enjoying it. Yeah, it's a nice school district over there at Ionia for sure. Uh, former member of the Mid Michigan B Conference. Well, let's let's start the show, guys. Let's involve Eric here with our sports talk, and let's uh, you know right now the big topic is uh, the tournament, college basketball, of course, the Big Ten tournament. Let's get there first, and uh, Michigan staying hot and picking up a, a Big Ten tournament title. That that probably hurts you a little bit, doesn't it, Eric? Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. That's uh, especially. Having to lose to Michigan again, it was, uh, you know, it's something that a lot of, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, Izzo doesn't really put too much effort into the Big Ten championship or the Big Ten tournament. You know, I don't know what to make of that, but if we would have lost before the Big Ten title game or before the, you know, the big tournament, I could have been okay with that, but just who they lost to is the one that kind of gets me. Do you honestly believe that? What was the claim that Michigan State wasn't playing hard in the tournament? Not that they weren't playing hard, but you know, a lot of people, um, like over the years, have kind of said that Izzo's main focus is on the the big tournament rather than the the Big Ten tournament, and like focusing on the NCAA's already. But you know, I I don't necessarily believe that, or you know, know what to think about that because you know, it's never really a point that you want to you know you don't want to lose any game. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. That I, I like I said, I don't necessarily believe it or know how anyone would kind of go into a game thinking it's okay if it is. Well, let's lay it so. on the table here a little bit. You know, we got basically three Michigan fans in here. I'm kind of the fence setter because I like Michigan State basketball as well. But as a Spartan fan, Eric, what do you think of this season so far? I mean, we still are looking at four losses, but yeah, that loss hurt to Michigan for sure. But with this week and a half of preparation, you think they're going to get ready for the tournament and maybe make a deep run? They definitely have the ability to do so i mean they got so much talent i think a lot of it just it depends on you know how they can get prepared and they need to the one thing that 
you know, annoyed me so much watching that Michigan game is, you know, they'd get it into the post early on, but then they'd go back to just, you know, going all around the perimeter, taking long shots and going away from, you know, getting it into war and getting it into Jackson. And, you know, that's the one thing I think after Wagner got in a really quick foul, they needed to go right back in the post and try to attack him more. Uh, but again, it's, you know, the game has become so perimeter oriented. I think they just fell back onto what I guess they were comfortable with. Yeah, exactly. And one of my big complaints this year for Izzo, you know, you, everyone's heard it on uh, this podcast, but Matt McQuaid, 26 minutes, Jaron Jackson, 24 minutes. That is the biggest joke I've ever seen. Now, how many minutes did Ward have? Do you have that written down I, there anywhere? Eight minutes. Yeah. I don't agree with you on that take. I think Ward is hot garbage. <laughs> yeah, but. not playing well. No. Oh, you think so? No, you're, no are I'm you not making. Ward? I'm not really giving a take. I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, Nick Ward coming into the season, you would think you'd get more than eight minutes against a University of Michigan team in the Big Ten tournament, wouldn't you? I think the biggest thing with Ward is who does he cover defensively? Right. Because I mean, Michigan doesn't really have that. I mean, unless Teske's in there, they don't really have that traditional big guy. I mean, Wagner Wagner can kind of stretch the floor. So if Ward is out there, it's kind of tough defensively. You know, who are they going to match him up with? But but to to your point about Jackson and, and kind of what Eric was talking about, that's the one thing with with Michigan State with me. Like we've talked on this podcast about Bridges' game this year. Like is he is he playing more of a three or is he getting down to the post? Man, watching that game, I know I know he can shoot and he is improving his three point shot, but. He, he would be able to feed on anyone if he lived in the post. I mean, he when he did finally get to the post, he was scoring almost at ease. And it's one of those things. Like, I just – it seems like if they worked the ball inside out, it would be a lot more successful. And like Eric was saying, it just seems like they were living on the perimeter. And, and it seemed like Michigan had it figured out. Come to Michigan, Jaron. We will take you. <laughs> Transfer. But – just the whole MSU, just they're absolute shells of themselves. These players, like I said, you just look at. I mean, everyone's been kind of comparing Beeline to Izzo this whole week. Michigan's playing so confident right now, and you just look at Michigan State. Is Bridges even a star player? Or is, you wouldn't think so looking at his body language. Well, the, the one point I want to make on that is you're exactly right. I mean, Michigan is playing total team basketball right now. You can see the way they move the ball around. They hit guys, slash into the basket. They're all on the same page for Beeline. I mean, that's coaching for sure. They've come a long way since the early part of the season. Michigan State, I think we all would agree, they got talented players, but they're not playing as a team, and that that's huge. Now, the only thing they got going for them right now, they got these talented players, and they all start with a clean slate when we start teeing it up there on Thursday and Friday. And my favorite part of the entire game, Jordan Matthews stares Nick Ward right in the eyes. Jordan, first off, Jordan Matthews, he's just Charles, an absolute— Charles Matthews. Oh, yeah. I always confuse that. Yeah, Charles Matthews. <laughs> he's an absolute rough rider. I love that guy. Stares down Nick Ward, and you just know Nick Ward doesn't want anything to do with that. I was going to ask you, Eric, what, what do you make of the floor slap? When Michigan State does a floor slap, what do you make of that? You know what, it, if it works for them and it gets them motivated, I, I mean, I, the first one I ever see do it was Duke. And yeah. like even before MSU was doing it, and I don't want to try to take anything from Duke because I hate them more than any other college basketball <laughs> team, even more than Michigan. But, yeah, it's, it's something that if, if it's something that Izzo uses as a motivation and it works, but... You can't slap the floor and then give up like an easy basket right after it. Right. Seems like more often than not, after the floor slap, Michigan or, or opponents who Michigan State does that against, they score. So I don't know, I, it's just one of the most annoying things in, in sports to me is when, when uh, Michigan State slaps the floor. I was going to ask you, Eric, though, as, as a Michigan State fan, um, I saw a stat in, in the Michigan-Michigan State games this year in the first half Michigan State outscored Michigan by six. In the second half, Michigan outscored Michigan State by 27. So, I mean, what that tells me right there is Michigan's going in, into the locker room at halftime and making adjustments. I, I know Izzo is a Hall of Famer, and he everyone knows his track record, and it, it's proven. Do you think that that beeline has kind of surpassed him as far as making halftime adjustments? Or do you think, you know, what, what do you think make of that rivalry? Well, I mean, obviously, I don't want, I wouldn't take anything away from Beeline. He is doing a hell of a job there at Michigan, kind of went where they were at when he came in. It's still been kind of those things this year that his lineups, uh, you know, some of them just, you know, make you look at it and say, what the heck is he doing? Um, you know, I don't think they should ever have Jackson and uh, Bridges on the bench together. I, I think one of them needs to be in, at least at, one point, or at some point, because like when they have 
say like goings and you know anybody else in the, like coins and shillings and as the two post guys like you're not going to be throwing it into the post it's going to be all on the perimeter so you know mixing up the lineups has been an issue but yeah i mean the I know the one big thing with the you know the second halves in those games it would get to a point where again we're they're getting down about six or seven and they just throw up threes instead of trying to chip away and get some buckets down low. And then after they miss that, they foul and then have to just fall behind even more. So, I mean, those are the kind of games that like, they ended up being double digits, but like, down the stretch were a little bit closer than they would think. Yeah, you guys were you were talking about the whole floor slap thing, Matt. The thing that ticks me off about the whole floor slapping is that it's the scrubbiest guys doing it. <laughs> Matt McQuaid is like the king of the floor, floor slaps. But I like you said, Miles Izzo's lineups are just not great. But what, where I really see the difference between Beeline and Izzo, and obviously I'm I'm a big time Beeline guy compared to Izzo. Michigan State has no depth, and I think that honest, and that's not because of the talent. That's just because you look at like Schilling and who's the other center? Goins. Like, yeah, Goins. They haven't developed at all since they were freshmen. Whereas Michigan brings in these guys. I mean, you look at Rockman. And he's just become like a star player right before our eyes. He just beeline develops players where Izzo just kind of takes what he has and puts it on the court, I guess. Right. Or doesn't put it on the court. Plays Matt McQuaid more than Jaron Jackson. That's it's mind boggling for sure. Well, I, th- I think they need to be, I need mean, needs to look at possibly mixing in McQuaid into the starting lineup because. Oh, yikes. In for, uh, <laughs> like Langford. Um, you know, Langford has, he's, has such a good mid range jumper, but. You know, he is kind of a defensive liability. I think just mixing up the lineup even a little bit like that, giving McQuaid the start, uh, you know, might be even something to just give a little boost going in. And, you know, it's still a hell of a player to bring in off the bench. But, you know, I totally disagree with the, the part that, you know, they would be not very deep. Um, you know, Schilling has his moments, and he's more of a defensive player. He's going to use up all five fouls if he gets enough floor time. But, you know, they got... I'd say they have a whole lot of depth. You might not be using it the best way, kind of getting back to what I said with their lineups. But I think they've got a lot of the depth to where they could you know, still make that deep run if he utilizes his lineups a little bit better, I think. I'm curious, Eric. It, like you, you were mentioning it to make it a deep run. Sometimes you know, we, we definitely bag on Michigan State a little bit here, and I, I've definitely been one to, to criticize Izzo a little bit because his, his last championship, and you can't take it away from him, but it was, almost 20 years ago and he still had won a bunch of big tens and made a bunch of final fours but what do you think like why haven't they won that championship again what do, what do you think they've been missing is it is it lineups is it just you know the ncaa tournament sometimes on any given night you know a team is just kind of playing better than you you know what what do you think has been missing to get uh Izzo that that second championship i think a lot of it has changed with the whole like getting into the, the era of the one and done um, you know, he kind of changed his recruiting approach going from, you know, the guys who would have been more of the four-year guys to, um, you know, he started going after some of these one-and-dones, and then after he missed on pretty much all of them, he had to settle for guys like Tum Tum and Schilling like at, at the last minute. You know, when Tum Tum is in, that's a, basically playing four on five offensively because he can't shoot with a lick, and it's something I know their best chance, obviously, was 09 when they went to the championship in Detroit and lost to North Carolina. But, you know, that was just the thing that, like, there was no team beating North Carolina that year. They were just loaded. Absolute. Um, that was an absolute slaughtering. Yeah. And that was the one thing I remember because they played at Ford Field earlier in the year, you know, because they knew the, four, the Final Four was going to be there. And I remember making the comment to people, like, oh, this is going to be the rematch in the championship game. And then after seeing the way they destroyed MSU in the first time, I was thinking, okay, they probably won't make it back to the championship that year. But obviously they did, and it didn't turn out too well the second time either. You know, not to kind of pivot away from the Michigan-Michigan State talk, but regarding the whole, what did you guys think of the Purdue-Michigan game? I thought that was quite a game. That was an awesome game, man. Uh, just the Wolverines, are. we keep talking about it, but it's such a fact. They're playing such good team basketball right now. I mean, they're going to be tough to beat if they can keep this momentum rolling. I, something that you we were talking about how the Big Ten, uh, well, you guys were saying that the Big Ten was good. I was saying that it wasn't good. Mm-hmm, right. Did you see number 11 for Purdue? <laughs> Rocky. <laughs> Maybe you don't know. PJ Thompson is his name, but this is just sort of like a descriptor. You know, he seemed pretty short and fat, but the, what really stuck out to me, he's got ankle socks on. <laughs> 
If I'm the committee, if you have a player, one of your starters is wearing ankle socks, you should be docked a seed. So the <laughs> Purdue should be a three seed now because of that. I don't know. They probably should be a three seed anyway. But, yeah, they've, they've got some dudes on that team that they got that dude. I, I can't think of uh, his name, but I saw people on Twitter the whole the whole day like making fun of his haircut and stuff like that. And people were saying the same thing, that that dude's haircut should knock Purdue down to a four seed just for that. So <laughs> Now, they've, they've got a lot going for him, though. But I think if – I think that first half of the Purdue-Michigan game, obviously I'm a Michigan fan, so I was, I was liking it, but both teams were playing so well to the point that I was thinking either one of these teams could make a decent run in the tournament. Oh, no doubt I, about it. See, that's where I – I mark my words, Purdue gets bounced. Round one. Well, that's, that's, Round one. that's typical. I, Purdue is that team like Virginia that – they, like they're good enough to make a decent run, maybe the Sweet 16, or they could easily get bounced in the second round because Virginia every year has one or two losses going in the tournament and they get upset. Purdue is that same team. I've just they have the talent, but I I, I don't see it happening though. Yeah, Tom Izzo, uh he has Tony Bennett's number. I think that's the only coach he has his number. Roy Williams and Coach K definitely own Izzo. With Purdue, I just see a, like a mid-major conference with a bunch of shooters, a bunch of small guys just completely making Haas useless and just spreading them out and cashing threes. And I, d- depending on who they face, I'll have to adjust that when the bracket comes out, but I honestly think that they're an upset. Well, how, are you, how is a mid-major going to be able to deal with Haas down low if, if Purdue does get him the ball? Who well, can stop him? Saying. They're, they're going to shoot him out of the game. We're okay. just flat out. They're just going to have to out-shoot out him. Right. And they're not going to be able to play Haas because they're just lighting it up. Or the, it'll just be kind of like the back-and-forth thing where right. they let him get his sort of like Michigan State did the first time. Yep. Or this, I think it was the second time they played. Maybe that was the only time they played. But just where they're going to they're gonna take threes over twos. What do you guys think on the seeding? Uh, Michigan, Michigan State. Where do you think they're going to be? They're going to be on the three line. Is any either one of them maybe possibly sneak up to a two? I think MSU. I think out of either of them, MSU would have the best chance just because of only four losses and having no bad losses. I know that's something that the committee kind of looks at, but and I know that you know a lot of projections have both of them at a three right now. Some of them have you know Michigan down to a four. I think they definitely deserve a three. After the you know the way they're playing right now, personally, I if I'm I, I'm a Michigan fan, you guys know, give Michigan the like a four or five seed, right? They, <laughs> just let them play the undercard, under underdog card, like Michigan. They remind me, it reminds me so much. I heard a comparison like the two programs to get kind of back in Michigan, Michigan State, but the two programs like Michigan State football is a lot like Michigan basketball. I would say that's true, minus all the off the field issues that Michigan State has, the rapes and all that other stuff. So other than that, yeah, these these programs are a lot alike. <laughs> you've got the underdog card going on and you've got the you know, everyone always talks about how Mark Antonio is, is an underrated coach. Everyone definitely talks about Beeline being an underrated coach. So so yeah, I've definitely seen those those comparisons being drawn. And the same comparisons that that the other team in the state gets all the the recognition. Everyone always talks about Harbaugh and the football program, but right now the basketball program is better. And, and same thing, everyone always talks about Izzo and the basketball program, but but the football program is right on par with them. So I can see that comparison. I'm, I'm curious, what do you, Eric? What do you think about like seeding in general? Do you think anywhere like if Michigan State's a one, they're not going to get a one, but if they're a two, no. is it that much different than if they slide down to a three? Or like same with Michigan, if they're a four, is it that much different than if they get a three or just happen to get a two? Like. Regardless of the the actual number, I think two or three doesn't matter. I'm just being selfish because I've got next Friday off and I want to go to Detroit and actually watch them <laughs> play. Yeah. I, I mean, that's why I want really want them to be a two. But otherwise, I could care less about two or three. Hey, how do we how do we look at uh, the tournaments and the automatic seeds? Should they have automatic uh, NCAA bursts on these? Uh, conference tournaments or should they just that, be used to uh, yeah. update your uh, resume i made a note of that too the whole the whole mid-majors how they it's bananas it how is. they they put their seat like if they get in the tournament or not on the tournament or on their like i think it's outlived their the, its usefulness because it was all the excitement for these tournaments that were broadcast on tv and the winner of the tournament hey we're going to the dance but i just don't think it's a fair way to do it yeah well you see a team with you know a losing record in right. the tournament what a joke. It's a, it's a thrill for them, but yeah, it is a joke. It almost happened with Cleveland State the other day. Right. Do you guys have but, an opinion on that? Do you think they should change that up at all? Yeah, no doubt. I 
like I said, maybe it's because of the whole TV thing like you mentioned. Right. But I think we're kind of past that age where everything's on TV nowadays. You don't really get that much from that. But I just wonder if it's not, it has to be TV. But if it's not, why on earth would any of these coaches agree to that? in these conferences exactly. i don't understand that's what i just don't understand it's so undeserving i remember a couple of years ago like farley dickinson was in it's just so stupid <laughs> probably the main reason that coaches agree to it is because it kind of gives them almost like a second chance if they kind of if they have a bad run in the regular season and don't win that they know that they've got a chance in the in the conference tournament to you know get hot for a weekend and win a couple games and make the tournament it is kind of weird because i mean eric kind of started off with it talking about how you know we've heard that Izzo maybe doesn't put as much emphasis on the Big Ten tournament because he knows they're going to be in the NCAA tournament. So you know they want to worry about that more. Does it ever get to a point where the regular season championship doesn't really matter a whole lot? Like, like I mean, Big Michigan State outright won the Big Ten regular season this year. You know they they lost to Michigan in the in the Big Ten tournament. Michigan went on to win the Big Ten tournament. Say Michigan State you know doesn't do that well in the NCAA tournament. Is it really even that big of a deal outside of Michigan State fans that they won the regular season Big Ten? Yeah, because, you know, I, I agree with that. Because I think winning the Big Ten regular season title, it would mean more, obviously, if it was a complete home-and-home. Uh, home. But still, I, I put more weight on the fact that they won the regular season and won it outright. But your point is well made. I mean, Michigan's hot. They won the tournament. And if Michigan State goes out early, what does that what does that championship mean? Yeah, I, I'm just yeah, exactly. And I'm just kind of curious, sort of talking about the Big Ten tournament. What do you guys think overall of it being at Madison Square Garden? You think that was a pretty cool thing? I didn't like it just because there's you know they want to go after the New York market now that Rutgers is part of the uh, the conference. But you know how many Rutgers fans were actually like really excited to go to New York City to watch that game, and it it seemed like just so much of a hassle. Or I mean the the fact that it was a week earlier. Um, you know, it gave them more attention versus having to split time between the ACC, SEC, and all these other major conferences. Like, from what I heard, it set an attendance record, or not necessarily attendance, but uh, viewer record, like, for, um, you know, on TV. So it made sense because none of the other big boys were playing at the same time. You know, the other going back to the part about, you know, why even have conference tournaments, it's because it gives everybody, like, one final chance. Like, you, know, you have to be, like, eliminated you will lose your last game unless you get into like nit or into the, the new smaller tournaments they have to but like everybody at least has a chance that like, you have to be knocked out before your season is over yeah i guess that's true what like they basically wouldn't be even do conference what would be the point of their you know conference tournament at the end of the year if well, I mean, I played. I'm an old guy, as y'all know. I, when I played city league sports, we would have a regular. Se- <laughs> That's right. Well, we'd have a we'd have a regular season championship, and then we'd have a tournament at the end of the year. And you know, if you're a, a small mid major and you're playing a tournament, what the heck? You you end your season with a win and a tournament championship. That ought to be good enough if you're a yeah. crappy team. Yeah, and just sort of the whole Big Ten. You know, sort of to jump back onto the whole Big Ten. I just. They're like trying to go national with like the Big Ten. You notice that like the whole goofy commercial where the, it pans over. Uh, it's like the cartoon and it's got yeah. like Rutgers and stuff. I just, keep the Big Ten Midwest. Oh yeah, like I, the Game of Thrones intro. Yeah, keep the Big Ten in the Midwest. I get why they're trying to do that, but what I don't understand, they're not going back to Madison Square Garden for four more years. What was the purpose? Well, I'm I'm going to be the contrarian on this part. I didn't like it at first when I heard about it because I thought, really, it's not fair to the fans here that want to go to a game. Ideally, if you go to Indianapolis or even Chicago, it's a nice, easy hop in the car, grab a bunch of buddies, and go to the game, right? New York, it's costing you a fortune. It's not easy to get to and, and all that, but at this stage of my life, and I I'm watching it on my high-def, big-screen TV, and I will tell you this. Not to brag. Not to brag. (laughs) But, uh, you know, watching it in New York and watching it from Madison Square Garden and the coverage and and all the jazz that they were putting into it, it had a big-time feel to me. I thought it it felt like big-time basketball, and they had the whole weekend of themselves. I liked it. It was cool, and and I did read a few things that um, some ADs or or some uh, coaches – they were using it as a recruiting tool too. So they were saying that they were telling recruits that, Hey, you can come to the big 10 and you still might be able to play your big 10 tournament at Madison square garden. So like you said, they're, they're not going back there for four years, but they, you know, they can still throw that, throw that out in recruiting. So I, I thought it was cool too. I mean, it was the type of thing like it, I, I do think it's something that should stay in the Midwest. It should rotate 
uh, between, you know, Indianapolis, Detroit, Chicago, you know, stuff like that. But I don't know. I, I think if, if I was on one of the teams in the Big Ten and they told me we, we got to go to New York for the weekend and play at MSG, I, I think I'd be all for it. Have they actually specifically said they will be back there in four years? Because the last I had heard, Delaney, the Big Ten commissioner, said, you know, we will be back here, but I don't see them pushing the Big East out of Madison Square Garden. But because at the same time he says they will be back in New York, he says he doesn't want to do the week early thing again. It could be Brooklyn. I heard, yeah, I heard uh, four years. That was from Mark Titus, so I'm not, I mean, I'm not 100% sure on that. I mean, you mentioned the whole recruiting pitch. Yeah, maybe Izzo can, instead of the whole, we go to the Final Four every four years, we go to Madison Square Garden every four <laughs> oh, here years. here we go. So there you Uh-oh. go. All right, before we get to our next topic, I'm going to segue out of this, guys, for just a second. But I want to remind our listeners that we got a big contest coming up, and we got a sponsor coming up as well here, Rivals Tap House and Grill. That's the spot to meet up with all your friends, catch your favorite sporting events on their 21 great TVs, weekly food and drink specials, including great burgers, wings, and pizza, along with homemade soup and salad. Rivals Tap House and Grill, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. And, Matt, I know uh, we're excited to be a part Part of a big three-point podcast bracket challenge with rivals, aren't we? Yeah, you know it's a it's that time of year that March Madness is here, and everyone's filling out brackets and picking their their teams to make a Cinderella run. So, so yeah, we teamed up with, with uh, rivals to do a little bracket challenge with them and and uh, three-point podcast. Just hop on ESPN.com. I'm a company man, so I, I like doing the the tournament challenge on ESPN.com. Sign up for free. It takes just a couple minutes to sign up, fill out your bracket, and the top three brackets from that pool will win a gift card to rivals so go ahead hop on we'll have the link up um, on our facebook and and yeah, fill out a bracket. See if you can beat beat Jack Strap. See if you can beat uh, Ted Patel at, at the bracket. It's going to be a lot of fun, uh, no doubt. Uh, well, regarding the whole, I just kind of wanted to quick little thing. I heard that Oklahoma might not be might not make it in. You know the whole bubble watch. Well, they've been first struggling. In, first four, they need to be in. It, just they because, need to be in. Just because. I need Trey Young in the tournament. <laughs> they want Oklahoma in so bad, but Oklahoma is just not helping themselves at all. Like, like really, if you look at it, there's no way that Oklahoma should be in the tournament. But because of Trey Young, they're like, man, we have to somehow justify Oklahoma getting in this tournament. We need Trey Young. Yeah, if I'm if I'm Oklahoma, what I might do, Trey Young, you know, get a fresh buzz, brand new team. Put him in the tournament. He gets a brand new haircut. Put him in the tournament. <laughs> it's kind of like that kid. Remember a few years ago for Ole Miss, uh, Marshall Henderson, that kid that would just jack up threes and then you know hoot and holler to the to fans and stuff. That kid was fun to watch. Yeah, and they ended up making Sweet Sixteen. I mean, would you rather they have? They made a run. They made a run. Would you rather have uh, you know Lipscomb? That's just some team I saw. Some white players. I actually kind of like them. They put up like 130 <laughs> points, but they're all white. And they, they put up 130. Shoot. Yeah, Holy. and they're like it was like 100. It was I know it was at least like 100 over 100, well over 100. But yeah, if I'm put them in over one of these mid majors, that's another thing that bothers me. This whole NCAA tournament bubble watch bothers me. Man, you're too young to be this irritated. How does how does the first, like the last four in, yeah. why is that not like the play-in games? You know what I mean? Aren't those technically the last four in? They're not even in the tournament. They're in playoff games. Well, technically, I guess you're right on that. Isn't that just confusing? That just confuses the hell out of me. <laughs> I think eventually they're just going to have a 16-team tournament to get into the NCAA tournament. That's what it's going to come down to. I think you're right. Oh, I I saw this. You guys... So you know how much I hate uh, Duke, or I don't really hate Duke. You but hate everybody. There, Duke's definitely uh, dirty. D- Jeff Cable, the assistant coach. Uh huh. So this is sort of like my teacher to the old guys. Maybe this might be Matt's. Uh, he might be recognized <laughs> with this whole song. But so <laughs> Jeff Cable after Duke. So two chains rapper uh, Ted. Okay. So two chains went to the Duke North Carolina game. I love my I and, love me my two chains. And after the game, Jeff Cable takes a picture with him, and the caption reads. At uh, it's a vibe at two chains hashtag duffel boys money emoji. Duffel bag boys is a song by Lil Wayne that is clearly about dropping bags and dealing drugs. This is just the most hidden in plain sight that Jeff Cable is dirty. I don't know. Did Matt? Did you get a chance to see that? I did see that. I laughed. I thought I, I was going to actually share that with you. I figured you you saw that. It's unbelievable. It yeah. either he's like just laughing in our faces, like I really am clean, or. He's like I said, just hiding in plain sight that he is clearly dirty, and he's just la- and another laughing in our. He's laughing in our face either way with this whole situation. Well, you don't, you don't think it's. I mean, you could be right, but you don't think it might be just his way of trying to stay up to date with the young kids because he has to to be a recruiter, doesn't he? 
I, yeah, he does. Do you do you know who Two Chains is? I have no clue who Two Chains is. <laughs> Eric, you said that you're you're not a Duke fan, and I, I know most Michigan Michigan State fans are not Duke or North Carolina fans. Uh, what do you make of that that rivalry? I'm I'm down here now in North Carolina, so it's kind of it's funny or it's kind of cool to hear the the people who grew up here talk about Duke and North Carolina that rivalry. Um, right. I saw it going into this game, the last 102 matchups. Even. It's 51 and 51, and the point differential like, is only like eight points. Like, yeah, that's just that incredible. Day, like, yeah. What do you make of that rivalry? Uh, I think, I mean, I think it'd probably be pretty close to the, you know, Michigan Ohio State football rivalry. Um, you know, football kind of has taken over as more of the national sport, gets a lot more attention, it seems. But, you know, it is. Like, I just saw something else earlier today, like the last 22 something like that ACC semifinal tournaments have had either North Carolina or Duke. So like they are kind of obviously dominating in that conference and and being that they're within, I don't know, however many miles, like 12 miles of each other. That's definitely something that adds a lot to that rivalry as well. Yeah, it's crazy. Talking to people uh, that I work with or people down here that, that grew up here, the hatred from North Carolina fans towards Duke fans reminds me of, the hatred from Michigan State fans towards Michigan fans, as far as like football goes and stuff like that. So it, I just laugh whenever I they hear. They are petty. Like be, I, I give people a hard time. I'm like, oh, there's a Dukey over there. And he's like, hell no, I'm not a Dukey. I'm a North Carolina guy. Don't even say I'm a Dukey. And I'm just like, man, you remind me of Michigan State fans. <laughs> what bothers me, everyone's a Dukey. You look at, at two chains. He's just there. He's a Duke fan now. I, I, there's they have so many like Tony Romo is there. I just. They all part of the brotherhood now? Yeah. Yeah, the brotherhood. Quotations. <laughs> I was going to bring up money uh, for a second. I know we, you were talking about Jeff Cable dropping bags, and I don't know if you guys saw some of this. It uh, came out this week, what, what the NCAA, uh, what they made last year in, in 2017. Their their net revenue was $1.1 billion. You know, they, So then right when those numbers came out, um, you know, the whole issue about paying players came up, and you know, I, we've talked about this on, on the podcast before, so I'm kind of curious to get Eric's thoughts on that. Um, we, we all know the NCAA just makes a ridiculous amount of money. Um, the players, for the most part, don't get any of it. Um, I, I don't know. Where do you kind of sit on that, Eric? Should should they kind of work out a system to pay the players? The, the thing I look at it is, like, if I don't think there's any way they could say they're going to pay the players and then say it's only going to be paying the revenue-producing ones because – if you're going to play the basketball team, then you have to play, or you have to pay the, you know, the gymnastics team and all of those things. So, I think that would be kind of a, a slippery slope with that. I mean, they definitely are the ones that are really producing the money for their university and for the NCAA. You know, I, I just don't know how that would make that how they would make that work and be able to whether it's going to be like everybody all throughout the athletic program is paid the same or. You know, football players make more. Basketball players make more. You know, how are they going to divide that up? I have the ultimate solution, guys. Okay, I'm, I'm going to just say I stole it from Mitch Album. okay? But I, he had a real good article this last week on it. And, and think about this. Uh, just paraphrasing some of the thing he wrote about, some of the things he wrote about. You know the actress Jodie Foster, right? Well, she enrolled in, at Yale University when she was 17, already had been nominated for an Oscar, had been paid for many Disney movies, and even hosted Saturday Night Live. But at Yale, she studied drama in her freshman year, and she appeared in the theater production. Okay? Uh, why can't a college quarterback maybe make a commercial and get paid for it? I mean, why is it okay for a college flute player on a music scholarship in the school band at college well, go play at a nightclub and get cash for that. Why not? Because then you you're you don't have to deal with Title Nine, you know, because you can't pay players. You, you have to pay them all the same. You have to pay the guys the same. You have to pay the soccer team the same. You have to pay the girls the same. There's no way that it'll ever do that and keep it out of court. But why not NCAA? Get your head out of your ass and quit worrying about some of this money. Like you said, Matt, $1.1 billion. That's billion dollars the NCA made. Why can't a guy like uh, like Miles Bridges, let's just say, for example, uh, why can't he be hooked up with a car dealership and get a car if the car dealership wants to give it to him for doing a commercial? That's my take on it. This is America. 
we have a capitalistic society. Why not let capitalism do its thing? If you're valuable, you're worth more than somebody that's not. Yeah. Uh, well, first off, the whole Miles Bridges thing. That was an he, example, by the way. He. Well, I'll just say he's he's he, he'd be good for like a local ad, I think. <laughs> Coming to Michigan, another shot at Izzo. I'm loving these shots at Izzo. I'm just rattling them off tonight. But yeah, he comes to Michigan State. He went from a national name. He's still obviously like a lottery pick, but his like just stock and notoriety is just dropping rapidly <laughs> at Michigan State. Well, one final thing on that. I mean, the whole concept I'm bringing up is really how the Olympic uh, movement has done it. They let their athletes make money. They just don't pay them for their particular sports. What Matt? What do you and Eric think about this? I mean, I definitely think, uh, similar to what Eric was saying, I, I, I know we've talked about it on this podcast before, but I, I definitely think I've always been, I mean, for a long time, I've been on board with paying players because they, people, I, I've said this before, but people always justify it and say, like, these, these kids need to be thankful that they're getting a free education and free room and board and stuff like that. But to me, I just see it as players are required to go to uh, play college football or college basketball if they want to go pro. And some kids don't don't want to go to school. They they don't really. It's not that maybe they don't care about getting an education. They, they didn't go there to play school. They want to go yeah. play football. So this is the only way that they're allowed to do it. So what they need to do is Levar Ball, Jared's guy, needs to start up his uh, his basically minor league basketball system and start doing stuff like that. Like you said, so any other kid, any other kid that's on an academic scholarship, that's on a music scholarship, anything like that, they can go have other gigs and make money, but. But Johnny Manziel, a few years ago, he can't make money off of all those those number two Texas A&M jerseys that were being sold. You know, he he guys like that they should get a cut of that stuff. So oh, there's no so, yeah, doubt they, they definitely need to figure it out. But what you made a comment about they should get paid. So you're saying get paid on the side like I brought up, or have the university pay a certain uh, salary to all the athletes? Yeah, and I, I guess I mean that's a thing. Like like Eric was saying, it's a slippery slope because right, like are you going to pay? Just for example, are you going to pay the the North Carolina basketball players the same that you're going to pay uh, Central Michigan's basketball players? No, um, you know, never obviously happen. North Carolina makes way more money for the NCAA than than that. Um, or right, are you going to pay North Carolina's basketball team the same amount that you're going to pay the the rowing team, or you know whatever? So, are, are you going to have a scale? Um, or, or right, are you just going to pay everyone the same? Because that's obvious. That doesn't make any sense. So that that's where it just opens up a huge can of worms. Well, if you if you didn't pay them the same, this thing would be in court so quick that it'd knock your head off. Oh yeah, immediately. Well, and the <laughs> argument that they use of oh they're getting the free college and all of that, like over the course of four years, you know what their you know tuition, room and board, and everything would be. You know they're they're going to be making more than that. Like, if they do have to divide it up that way, if they say we're taking away college scholarships, but we're going to pay the players, you know, you're going to say that, you again, you pay him, you know, a basketball player who, you know, the program makes so much, you can pay him a couple million dollars. You know, the other sports that do not produce the money, you can only pay them, you know, 20000 And that doesn't even cover tuition. Well, it's a good topic, and I'm sure we'll be banding that about down the road more for sure. But uh, there, NCAA is going to have to make some changes. There's no doubt about it, or it's just going to fall apart. I think. I was going to throw something else out. We were, you know, we we talk about the money, and we've brought it up a few times on this podcast. The the TV money that comes into it. I saw something that I had seen these numbers before, but anytime I see them, it's crazy. CBS and Turner just for the NCAA tournament. They're paying the NCAA this year. $857 million to have the rights to the NCAA tournament. And from there, for the next five years, it goes up like 15 to $20 million per year. So by 2022, they're paying $920 million to the NCAA just, just to have the rights to the NCAA tournament. So in, in what, three weeks or, or a month of basketball, the NCAA is making almost a billion dollars just from TV rights. So that's why they love these conference tournaments and everything oh, like that. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. All right, uh, Eric, I think we'll let you go now. We appreciate you being on board with us tonight. It's been a lot of fun catching up on uh, from your uh, career at Owasso High School. You had a lot of great memories there, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Uh, I used a lot of uh, you know, my experiences you know, as a teacher and as a coach. I, I definitely enjoy I definitely enjoyed, you know, my high school days and uh, you know, especially the you know, the season we had my senior year of football make being the first to make the playoffs. You know, basketball, I, I, I talked with uh, actually the coach at Ionia about this today. Uh, you know, I played three years of varsity and had three different coaches, which, you know, was kind of 
breaking everything up. And, you know, Dave Owens, who was there my senior year, he's still around now. I wish I could have had something, some continuity like that rather than, you know, the constant change. But I love my time there, and you know, I want to be able to pass that on to some of the students that I work with. Yeah, I just had a question. Uh, does it bother you that Jalen Weekly's above you on the scoring list? <laughs> no, it does not. Because I, know, I mean, I knew going into my senior year that I had a chance because I mean, there's a plaque with Kurt Skinner's uh, number on there with you know how many points he scored, and I remember always kind of looking at that as as a attainable goal. And like I don't even realize you know how close I was to that point. I mean, it wasn't like we didn't have a very good statistician my senior year to uh, track everything, but I, I knew I'd be getting into it. And I think my second to last regular season game, I guess I went over, not even know about it until our next game was senior night and they announced it. Definitely don't, you know, care too much about you know being number two or number three, kind of like the season NCAA tournament, like I was talking about earlier. But, uh, you know, I was, I was kind of following that along and, you know, hoping that he would even get the, you know, the actual record over Skinner just, just being a current player, you know, the records are meant to be broken. So, yeah, I was rooting him on, and definitely I saw that when he passed me, and you know, I congratulated him on Twitter. Well, I will say this, at Owasso, I mean, the top three, you're, you're third, but the top three are so close. It's just amazing, and it's quite an accomplishment getting 1,000 points. In fact, we broadcast tonight the Ovid Elsie-Chessonine District Championship, and Carson Vincent went over the 1,000 mark, and a, a big win tonight by the Marauders. And by the way, we're recording this on Friday night. So again, Eric, we appreciate you take, well, you got something else, Jared? Yeah. Uh, well, it's just, yeah, that you're definitely one of the, um, you know, premier Owasso player, like Owasso players of all time, but people forget Brad Van Pelt went to Owasso. Yeah. And I say, they forget that. I say, they? Yeah, I say people, people forget that sarcastically, but that was definitely <laughs> really cool to have you on. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, thanks for the time, and uh, definitely enjoy basketball, and we hope to catch up with you down the road, okay? All right, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Eric. See you, man. Well, the Corona Connection, that's a direct mail paper sent to all of Corona, Vernon, and Shiawassee County parts of Lennon. You can also pick up a copy of the latest edition at many Corona businesses, including Kroger. Like them on Facebook, and you can view the entire Corona Connection paper online every month, both on Facebook and at Corona Connection. Yeah, so just the last topic I kind of wanted to get into uh, the Pistons. Uh, people have for- completely forgot about them. I wonder they've why. Lo- yeah, they've lost four straight. They're twenty nine and thirty six right now. They actually won tonight, so they're thirty and thirty six now. But it's just it's it's cracks me up how they fell off the map. And Blake, can you just imagine Blake Griffin? You know, here it's like it's like going to North Korea. You know, he arrives in Detroit, such a welcoming crowd. You know, they're selling out arenas. They're on ESPN, and he they just played le- good ball yeah, too. He, early. Just, he just learns that it's a complete facade. <laughs> it just Detroit, just a. drowsy not drowsy just a dim city that not much going on basketball or nightlife wise I disagree a little bit on that. I mean, I think Detroit gets a little bit of a bad rap. It's not a bad city when you get down there to the entertainment area. I mean, yeah, is it L.A.? No, but, uh, you know, I I wouldn't shortchange Detroit that bad. It's not as bad as a lot of people might think it is. They have a decent amount of nice nightlife bars, if that's what you're talking about, and it's relatively safe. It's as safe as any big city down there in that entertainment district. Now, yeah, do they have problems? There's no doubt. Let's keep it on the Pistons, though. Just re- real quick, you mentioned the you know the cities. Uh, they don't compete with teams like. Have you been? Have you heard of Atlanta? Wow, strip club city. <laughs> I I have no so idea you're what you're talking about. Of, you're just going off of the show on FX, aren't you? Oh, I haven't watched that. I've heard. Have you watched that, Matt? I've heard it's good. I I've, I've watched a little bit of it. I, I'm not caught up or anything, but I've I've heard it is good, and the little bit I've seen is pretty good, but. But no, I, I was going to ask you guys. We we haven't really got to the Pistons a whole lot the last few episodes. So do you guys think that the Blake Griffin honeymoon is kind of over? They they won tonight against the Bulls, but but overall they haven't been doing well lately. Do you think kind of yeah the honeymoon with with Blake Griffin has kind of run its course? I don't think the honeymoon with Blake Griffin. I think people are just really sick of Stan Van. Get him out of the GM office. I was going to say the same thing. I think the honeymoon with Stan Van is he's going to be probably gone. Yeah, do you, do you think it's the same as like Doc Rivers in LA? Do you think do you think if Stan Van didn't have the the GM, the whatever, the president of operations title, but could just focus on being a head coach, do you think he would be successful with that, 
Or do you think he should just be gone altogether? He'd have a better chance if he was just a head coach. But he, if, if I'm a GM and they, I, I get brought in to run the program, boy, I'll take a hard look at Van Gundy, but I might also see what else is out there. I mean, I think they need a shakeup. And, and Jared, I agree. I think Griffin is still the guy. I think he's still valuable for, to that team. And if they fall into the lottery, the lottery, they may get a decent college player coming in. Luke Kennard. Uh, yeah, Luke Kennard. But Drummond, is. do we do we want to keep Drummond and him together? Or do you think they can maybe package something? Well, that's what I don't get. You mentioned Stan Van. He, his whole, he kind of has to be, the, his whole like system, he kind of has to be the GM. You know, he's got the whole like one center, like he added Dwight Howard in Orlando, the right. one center with a bunch of shooters. So that's where, yeah, I'm not really sure how him and Blake Griffin fit. To be honest, I watched like the first game of Blake Griffin, and like I said, it's a whole facade. Everyone stopped watching after they lost a game. So that's where I'm like, well, it wasn't just the one game, and they've been on quite a slump, and it doesn't look like they're going to make the playoffs. Where they sit right now, they're not going to make the playoffs. And yeah, I, I went to, they came down to Charlotte a couple weeks ago, so I went and watched him play the Hornets. And watching games live, it, it's definitely different than watching on TV. The Pistons, like, they just, their offense is just, stagnant it it doesn't look that good and you know i've i've talked to some people like back and forth on twitter or whatever and and just talked about how how bad their roster is like i, I think if they fix the roster add add a couple more players maybe if reggie jackson comes back healthy they could be better but then like the flip side to that is stan van did kind of construct this roster so it is kind of like okay well it is kind of his fault for building this roster because sometimes i mean when you look at the guys that are playing outside of blake griffin and and andre drummond it, that roster is just not very good. <laughs> I did see though that your guy uh, Luke Kennard's starting to get some start. Good God! I like I said, yeah, he's good now. Look at Donovan Mitchell; he's balling right now. Like he's like yeah. a top. Like people are, he's in the Rookie of the Year conversation. Yeah, yep. And that's what. I, <laughs> yeah, that's what I just I don't get. I for will ever people will ever wonder. It was dumb at the time. It's dumb now. That's. <laughs> Plain and simple. Dumb then, dumb now. All right, guys, let's uh, let's move it on. Let's see what is going on again with our pod's oldest athletic supporter, Jack Strap. Hello, Fred, Mark, Jerry. I'm still buzzing about the huge basketball victory by the Wolverines capturing back-to-back Big Ten championships. As I sat back in my old lazy boy recliner, I had my doubts that we could stop Purdue's big man. In the first half, I felt like I was watching Rocky IV, where Rocky Balboa takes on that big, ugly Russian guy named Drago. Anyway, Chris Webber was able to battle Drago punch for punch. And how about the guard play of Ramil Robinson and Muhammad Ali Rocky Saki Naki how the heck can you pronounce that guy's name? He needs the front and back of his uniform to spell it. Perhaps he should officially adopt a new name called NBN for nothing but net. Coach Fisher has the boys peaking at the perfect time, and I expect the Big Ten and Michigan to perform quite well in the chase for the Lombardi Trophy. Just one more quick hit on some NFL news, guys. The Seahawks are expected to cut $11 million in cap space by allowing Sherman to enter the open market. Poor Richard Sherman's going to have his feelings hurt, and he'll be sleepless in Seattle. Are you kidding me? At age 29, the Seahawks are not willing to re-sign him to a big contract, and who can blame him? Forget cover two. He'll be playing like he's my age in a couple of years. Well, he'll be concerned about Sherman covering his number two. But look no further than Darrell Revis for proof that you can go from Revis Island to Gilligan's Island in a real hurry. One day you're flirting with Ginger, and the next day Mrs. Howell's looking pretty good. I'm sure his big ego will hurt for a while until some other NFL team comes along and rolls the dice, easing his financial pain. With a long-term deal until three years from now, when they find that he can't cover Skipper or Marianne on a deep route. Okay, Professor, I'm out of Gilligan Island references, so uh, my three-minute tour is up. Have a good week, guys. 
All right. Always good to hear from Jack and getting his takes on Michigan and Michigan State. And Richard Sherman, I don't know. You know, I've heard some things about him, and he might not look too bad if he's healthy enough with the Lions on one side and Slay on the other side. What oh, do you guys that, think about that? Would that would be a dynamic duo. But I will say this. The funny thing about this whole Seattle thing is they're saying, oh, it's Russell Wilson's team now. I heard that, and too. You shouldn't have to trade away your best players to make it your team. You should just, like, be the man. But yeah. whatever. Lions sign them out. That'd be awesome. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I guess kind of the same with what you guys were saying. I I would love to have him. He's coming off an Achilles injury, and he is, I think he's 29. So, you know, you got to wonder if the injury is going to heal right or, you know. But if he came to Detroit, he wouldn't have to be the number one guy because Slay is definitely the number one corner there. So he could, you know, play that, I guess, second second corner uh, position there. But but yeah, I did think it was funny too seeing seeing guys talk about today like this is just a sign that this is now Russell Wilson's team. It's like you have to trade yeah, you have to trade away your best players to let Russell Wilson know it's his team. You can't just tell him that. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> for sure. Well, I think we've had enough tonight, guys. You know, let's call it a podcast. I just want to remind our listeners that we do have upcoming MHSAA March Magic on Z92.5 Friday evening. It's a regional semifinal. We'll uh, we'll announce where we'll be on Monday morning. And also, please share this pod with all your friends. Give us your feedback. I'm amazed, fellas. Uh, You know, the word is getting spread out there, and we're closing in on 4,500 plays in just 10 episodes. That was before we started recording this this one thanks for the sport and that's just awesome isn't it seems to be picking up a little theme i tell yeah i tell you what, when we first started i didn't even really think we'd have sponsors but look at us now sponsors listeners this <laughs> is what you. it's all about and also we want people to follow us on twitter you can follow me at z92.5 sports guy matt bernsey 381 jared yeah at jared fatel and i just want to say uh everyone join i know you mentioned it the bracket pool i look forward to beating you all oh. and winning the uh gift card let's get that plug on that again it's the rivals tap house and grill and three-point podcast bracket challenge again tell our listeners right now how they're going to be a part of that one matt yep you just go to espn.com slash bracket or just go on espn.com and search for the tournament challenge and and uh from there you just search rivals and 3pp madness uh, but if you just search three-point podcast or rivals in the in the search bar for the tournament you can find it um we'll have the link up on facebook twitter and everything like that too so so it's free to join uh it takes just five minutes sign up pick make your picks and and i'm looking forward to to beating jack strap and jared yeah and, and just a, i just want to kind of give a nice little uh you guys are you're welcome for this Take Michigan State to win it all. They're really, really good. <laughs> I, I, I can tell you're serious. I'll take that under advisement. They're they're really, really good, Matt. I would take them if I were you. This is their year, huh? <laughs> this is the year Izzo gets number two. This is their year. All right. I want to thank our sponsors, guys, too. Rivals Tap House and Grill, our partner in the three-point podcast bracket challenge, the Corona Connection, and Z92.5 The Castle, and tonight's special guest, Eric Cameron. This has been a Sportsnet Michigan production. Until next time, Thanks for listening to Three Point Podcast.